Welcome to the Your Podcast Mentor Show with Jonathan Jones. Here you will learn how to start, launch, and monetize your podcast. In addition to hearing the latest trends and the latest and greatest things happening in the podcast industry. Are you ready? Uh, family, so you, you all know uh, that we have the training coming up. And this training is geared towards speakers, coaches, and consultants, showing you how you can ultimately establish your authority and how you can be able to generate leads, even if you have a small following. So go ahead and go to yourpodcastmentorshow.com, sign up for the free training, and now we're back to the episode. What's going on, family? And welcome to the Your Podcast Mentor Show. I'm your host, Jonathan Jones, and you all know this is your number one source for podcast news, podcast how-tos, and we just sweetened the show by also now doing interviews. And today we have a really, really special guest. I'm honored today. I'm really honored today. You know, because some some people, you, you, you get excited that you're having interviews like, yeah, that's cool. I got this person. I got that person. But I'm really looking forward to this conversation. The people are in for a treat. I'm going to welcome to the Your Podcast Mentor Show the, the the master of the mental game, Coach Bryn Drescher. Bryn, what's going on? How are we doing? Oh, my gosh. I'm so good. And it's my turn to be honored because to be interviewed by the podcast mentor, Jonathan Jones, or your podcast mentor, better said, I'm just honored in that regard. I'm just happy to be here. It's uh, a beautiful day when you get a chance to have a wonderful conversation about the mental game. You know, I could talk about that all day long. So I love it. I love it. I love it. And then, Bryn, just for the people who may have not heard of you as of mm-hmm. yet, j- just go ahead. Take take a little bit of time and just, you know, introduce yourself to the people and let them just know why you're so dope. Oh, I love that. I'm so dope because, <laughs> one, just because I'm a person. And I think that's important because that's a big part of what I teach my athletes. You are valuable because you are, full stop. Not because you are amazing or good or any of that. So uh, I went to Michigan State University. I'm a former D1 track athlete. Funny enough, I have not yet had a track athlete come to work with me yet. Most of my athletes have been basketball players. Um, But I work um, on the mental game, which is mindset, coaching, performance, helping people really get good performances, confidence, get out of their own way, essentially, all that good stuff um, with professional athletes. And I've worked with people in the NBA, I've worked with semi-professional athletes, college and high school athletes all the way down. And uh, the big thing, other thing that I love to do is speak and facilitate. Like I'm probably the most comfortable when I have a mic in my hand and, uh, <laughs> or I have an opportunity to have an audience. Um, I've done stand up and acting, um, but I now prefer to do it in an inspirational capacity with coaching my clients as well as, uh, you know, reaching audiences and helping them recognize that everything they ever need is inside of them. Wow. You've done stand up? I did not know I that. Have. I have. What? I have. There's a video on the internet actually of me doing stand up. So. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to Google that a little bit later. We're gonna have to Google that a little bit later. So wait, okay. Well, since, well I want to, I want to start there then. I want to start there okay. because I've, I, I've seen people speak. I've seen people facilitate conversations, mm-hmm. but what type of mental tenacity, like, what do you have to tell yourself as you're preparing to go up in front of an audience and you know, if, if a joke hits or if a joke fails, it's on you. Like, Talk to me, Brian. Talk to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I love humor. 
because I feel like it's a universal language. You And I heard someone say this. I, I, I don't remember the name of the individual, but basically said you laugh because it's true. And so when you have resonance with something that someone says, because you can see yourself in it, that's what causes the laugh. Because you're like, oh my God, my mom does talk like that. Or that happened to me last week, right? Now, the funny thing is every audience usually is seeing you for the first time. So now you can use that joke on repeat and you know when the laugh is going to happen. And that's the beautiful thing about stand-up and you know, we see the very polished act. We don't see the fact that they did 20 clubs across the country working on that material, you know, improvise, you know, improving that joke over and over and over again. So when you talk about mental tenacity, I think the key is, is to not be too attached to the idea that you have to kill, but that you have value. So when you go out, I think it's really important to know that I'm bringing value to this audience and they don't know me and I don't know them. I may know the subject, why they're here or any of that, but what I do know is humans. And, and, and as long as I know that I'm a human relating to other humans, there's usually going to be some resonance. As long as I don't feel like I have to be a certain type of person for them to listen to, and they don't feel like they have to be a certain type of person to relate to me. Well, I like that. I like that. Yeah, that, that, that that's really good. And I like how you really separated the you separated the comedy from the comedian or the comedy from the the individual. Just going back to that human uh, aspect. I really I really like that. That, that that's good, Brian. That, that's you. good. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. That's, that's really good. That's really I good. I want to add one additional thing on the comedy realm, and then we can get off of it. Mm -hmm. I heard this thing once, and I don't know if it was Adam Sandler or who told this story, but it was basically one of my favorite stories about speakers and audiences. And it was, you know, it was in the vein of comedy, of a, a comedian telling the story, but it was essentially they used to work a club. And every time they were a new comedian, the owner of the club would come to that comedian and say, how was the audience tonight? And if the comedian said, ah, they were not the best audience, they usually didn't get another time up because there are no bad comedians. I mean, no bad audiences, only bad comedians. So as a speaker, as a coach, as anyone, when you're talking about the mental game, how can you take more ownership of the time at bat, if you want to use a sports analogy, and just know that, you know, it's not the pitcher, it's not the catcher, it's me. What happened at that at bat? How can I take ownership of what happened? Not in a fault way, but in a, hey, next time I'm at bat, here's what I would do differently. The it's not you, it's me routine. I yes. love it. Yes. I, I, man, that's so that that's so good. So those, just think about ownership. Like when did you when did you come to the place and to the point to where, you know, you took ownership of your own mental game? Rewind, rewind back for yeah. us, Brand. Yeah. Because you know, you like we see you now, you know, you got you got the podcast, you <laughs> killing it. You getting uh you you know, you getting these these athletes, these elite elite athletes, uh, elite professionals getting their mental tight. Yeah. But, but where, where was the, where, where was the genesis for, for Bryn Dresser's yeah. so, mental game? So let me, let me just be clear and trans transparent because I like to be that. That's something that's important to me is authenticity. I had no knowledge of the mental game as an athlete. I knew I was good from where I came from, right? Big fish, little pond, whatever you want to say. Um, but I wasn't, the best in the state or anything like that. So I didn't have that type of meteoric rise in sports, but I, our team won a lot and all that good stuff. And I just did what was asked of me. 
like, you know, the coach said, go do this many 200s, go do this, whatever. Now, did, was I the, <laughs> though I was a leader, was I using my powers for good? No, I was complaining like, ah, 10 200s today. What the, ah, you know, I was that athlete, right? I did it, but I wasn't always, I was still vocal about the fact that I didn't want to do it. So in that regard, I had no knowledge of the mental game. My coaches obviously, you know, like I think coaches don't know how to communicate the mental game to most people. It's just like, look, you just do the work. And they say things like get out of your head, focus, consistency, and they all sound great, but nobody knows how to do that. They just like, you know, they just know they're not doing it well or they're doing it well based on the feedback that they're getting. And so um, my introduction to the mental game came after my time in sports, which is actually pretty common to most athletes. Unless like in these days, it's obviously more commonplace to have a uh, sports psychologist or a mental performance coach, particularly in this, in the professional realm, they are on tap and available should the athletes want to take advantage of them. And then some people embedded into their coaching, etc. So I didn't know about this stuff before. And so interestingly enough, my introduction to the mental game came through the secret and that's where it started. I would say the secret is like the training wheels. I know it's manifestation and all that, but like really understanding the power of your mind and the power of points of attraction and things like that. And then just doing a lot of personal development, going to a lot of conferences, studying against some of the top speakers' minds in that world, and really just taking myself through the paces and calling myself out on my bad habits and things like that. And knowing that, you know, kind of like the hair club for men, I was my first client, you know, I'm not, I'm not just, you know, I'm also the, I'm not the president, I'm also the client. So I was the first uh, client that I worked with and just really... It, and what it does for you is when you talk about that ownership piece, man, it's like, I don't, I could complain, I could blame, but I know it's all BS. And when I say BS, a belief system, mm -hmm. I know that it doesn't work. I know mm -hmm. it's not real. So it doesn't stay for very long. So my periods in the dumps don't last as long as they used to. I don't have the same justifiable reason to be that complaining athlete that I was when I was running. And I know that it takes more than talent. It takes dedication and discipline. And those are the things that I learned along the way. And it wasn't just like, hey, you're good. Because, you know, lots of people are good. But to be great, to be excellent, to be elite, it's a whole different ballgame. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most, most definitely. I mean, I think it goes to like, like what you just shared. One, it's like it's it's your belief system, but even in addition to your belief system, it's like, what is it that you're constantly doing? And then when you get off track, what is it that gets you back on track faster? Yeah. Yep. And it's just it's, it's it's very interesting. And and I, I like the fact how you talked about coaches, because I've you know I've been in some clubhouse rooms and I've talked with some coaches, and I I've asked them before, like, how are you developing your student athletes? They're like, oh yeah, you know, uh, you know, we 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 bring them in, we make them make sure that they know it's a family environment. And I'm like, no, how are you developing them? And then they say the same thing, and I'm like, I I, I don't think I don't think you actually get it, coach. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just you know I just like walk away. I'm like, okay, you know, it it yeah. is what it it is what it is. But why but why why is it that you just, just, just with your experience, why is it that you feel that coaches aren't aren't creating the opportunities, or why is it that you feel that coaches aren't providing those resources 
are putting people or things in place to address that issue? I think it's it's a little bit of the blind leading the blind and nothing against them. Obviously, they're experts in the sport that they coach, right? They played it well. They learned to coach it. And also, I think a lot of coaches, you know, you go to some of these top programs like a Coach K or, uh, you know, Gino Ariema on the, you know, the basketball side or, you know, you have these great names in coaching. And a lot of them know how to operate with a specific type of athlete. And if they don't get that specific type of athlete, they struggle in that relationship. And there's a lot about relationship in coaching. Um, and <clears throat> there's also a thought in the old schools of when some of us were in school, right? That it was just like, you do your job, you know, that's what you signed up for. You get it done. And we're getting to a place where, People are now given the language, the acumen to understand that they can say, I'm not feeling it today. I'm kind of, you know, things are not going well for me. Something's going on and I'm not. Whereas when we were feeling that, it was like, yeah, nobody cares. Just go to practice, do your job, right? So it has changed. There's been a shift, but coaches are still being produced by some of the old guard. And so, you know, there are definitely plenty of coaches out there that are waking up to this. I just talked, I had a guy on my podcast, plays in the G League, and uh, his coach is very, you know, he's talking to them about mindfulness. He's bringing in experts about mental health. Like, so there are coaches that are getting it. Um, but when you use that word develop, there are a lot of coaches out there that believe it's not my job to develop you. It's my job. It's your job to do, you know, to, I can teach you parts of the game. But I'm not here to, you know, have you figure it out. Like, I'm not here to learn you. You're here to learn me. And I think that that's a mistake. I think coaching is a two-way relationship. And I don't I don't think that a lot of coaches just, they just don't know because the, the way that they came up worked. And so the way that I teach you should work. But the generations change. And I don't, you know, I hate the expression of, um, and I know I'm taking a long way to answer this question, but I hate when people say, they don't make them like they used to. I was like, yeah, good because each generation has come to evolve from the past. It doesn't mean that there isn't any wisdom or, you know, value in the way that we were raised. And each time we would hope that we're getting better because we're learning from our past mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super necessary. And, and, and even, even more essential. I, I definitely would say, yeah. um, because just seeing, you know, across the country, seeing just like you alluded to earlier, you know, they're, they're putting sports psychologists on staff for the division one programs, yes, right. For the division one programs. Right. When they have the funding. Yeah. And, and, and that's even not even across the board, like all division one programs. True. Um, but you know, when when there's opportunity to to bring in individuals like like yourself, I, I think that people should really you know jump at the opportunity because one thing I always tell people is, if you know if your mental isn't there, like if if your mental game isn't tight, then you're not going to be able to perform like on the field or wherever else. 100%. So, so Brent, I, I want you to, I want you to just just give us some uh, give us some insight on this. What what separates a, a mental performance coach? versus a sports psychologist or versus a, a, a therapist? <laughs> so obviously not being a therapist or a psychologist, um, I don't know that I could 100% answer the question, but I'll give you my best you know, guess that I've, t I've said before. Because interestingly enough, I've had conversations with sports psychologists and there isn't too much difference in the way that we might 
approach a situation, but given that they have a certain level of what's the word, um, training that we would not have access to in the sense of diagnoses, right? Like talking about a clinical diagnosis. I mean, that, you know, uh, in some of the education that they go through, that would be different, right? So we may approach a situation similarly, but when there's a certain point where we are out of our depth and they are going to go into the deeper end of something. So when you talk about therapy, um, when I'm working with my athletes, if you were to look over my shoulder, which obviously no one can be present on my sessions other than the athletes themselves. But if you were to be able to peek into a session, there's definitely times in talking to some of my athletes who'd be like, how is this not therapy? However, in the sense of I'm listening, they're telling me about a challenge they're having in or out of sports and we're discussing it and I'm giving them some tools, right? Whereas a therapist is going to be more guided and trained in how to truly take the depth of a childhood trauma and be able to, you know, maybe process, help them process it differently because of their training and their, you know, so when I've had these conversations with other professional, you know, mental performance coaches, as well as sports psychologists, they, they talk a lot about that depth of field. So knowing where you are and like where you stop and where they begin. So there's overlap for sure, but there's definitely a time where that sports psychologist is going to be able to do something that I'm not trained to do. And if in, in some instances, if I were to attempt, it could be considered unethical, irresponsible, maybe even illegal, you know, that type of stuff. So I think they can work in tandem. I think that's the mistake people make is like, oh, if you're a mental performance coach, you know, but there are teams that have both, right? Obviously we're talking professional probably with that type of budget. Um, and there are people that, you know, have it. My big thing is, and this is not, you didn't ask this, but I did want to address it. Um, my issue is regardless of who you have, it's still reactive in the sense of if you need them, they're there. And as a D1 athlete, a former D1 athlete at UConn, which is one of the top women's programs in the country, you told me on my podcast, by the time you know you need it, it's probably too late in a way, right? So like in the, in the sense of why wouldn't we, and so in my opinion, a proactive approach, regardless of who the professional is, because to me, it should be embedded. Everybody says it's 90-10, 90% mental, 10% physical. Yet, if you look at their practice schedule, there's not a lot of time that they're devoting to the mental game, not on a proactive basis. It's more like, hey, listen, if you think you got the yips or if you think you got issues with your shot, go talk to a coach, you know, but it's like, well, what if we gave them the tools ahead of time so that when they're experiencing those moments, they know how to navigate them better? Mm, yeah, that's yeah, that's strong. That's strong. Even even though if if I had the opportunity to like if it was like John vote do you think people need a mental performance coach or yeah. do you think people need a need a therapist yeah. or a sports psychologist in some in some instances and this is coming from a guy who was in graduate school studying counseling mm -hmm. in some instances I would I would vote you the mental performance coach and here really? here's why here's why you you've you've gone about study taking it on your own, yeah. going through, going through conferences, reading books. And, you know, so if it, you, you would dive in deep in this area and then you say, okay, well, I want to learn more about this area. Then yeah. you start doing that. 
counselors and therapists sometimes it can be ingrained in their mind yeah. oh this is this person coming in okay i'm seeing the same thing every time i'm seeing depression i'm seeing depression i'm seeing bipolar yeah. and then it's just a list so then it can get easy to just lock in people and yeah. then going back to what you said earlier not looking at the person as a human being but addressing the individual as such yeah case by case basis i can see that i think what i want to highlight is the advantage it's sort of like what we had that conversation before in a group that we're both a part of um when they said that going to business school can sometimes get you too fixed on these ideas of what to do mm -hmm. in business whereas not having gone to business school i don't have those parameters I will say this though, regardless of who you have, sports psychologist, therapist, or a mental performance coach, it doesn't come down to how qualified the individual is because nobody really asks me where I went to school or what I studied. What they really care about is, can I help them? And how will, and, 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 I'm a, and, I'm a, and, and am I someone that they want to talk to? Relationship, relationship, relationship. So relationship and relatability are the two most important components of all of those relationships. There's definitely a point where maybe the qualifications are going to make a, a small difference, but ultimately you can have a sports psychologist that, you know, is killing the game with that athlete and a mental performance coach that's sucking wind because they don't know how to develop relationship and it can be the exact opposite. So it really doesn't matter. It's more about how can you relate to the person? Because ultimately that's the only way you're going to get access to what they, what you really want, which is the core of the issue. That's a very strong, that's a very strong argument. And that makes so much sense. That's, that's, that's really good, Bryn. That's really good because I, I think so often it, it, it can be easy to skip past that part, but if you don't have relationship or somebody doesn't feel a connection, yeah. they're not going to open up. They, they'll tell you everything's fine. Yep. They'll just keep it moving as opposed to, you know, sitting down, talking, breaking it down. Well, we'll put it. Thanks. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put it. We'll put it. So when, so when, when did, when did you come to the space to where you said, I want to, like, I want, I want to help professionals and I want to help elite athletes and elite performers. Yeah. When did you come yeah. to the space to where it was time? So <clears throat> interestingly enough, right. I didn't even like, I often get asked, when did I decide to work with athletes? And you know what? I honestly can't remember that moment. It's so crazy to me. I remember wanting to help people with mindset. But when I decided to switch to athletes, I think it was probably someone else's suggestion because I was so blinded to, I want to help everybody. Everybody needs this stuff, right? And even and as a former, but I always spoke in sports analogies and stuff like that because I'm very good at analogies and making things relatable. I mean, it's something that I think I'm really gifted at. And so once I, you know, got into this space of, okay, yeah, you know, like uh, I should go where the people are. So I went to a basketball camp. I started all that stuff. And I got to say, I love working with athletes of all levels, but there's something about the dedication of an athlete that is like super dedicated, you know, like just that's their craft. Like this is what they're doing. And so I think, you know, when I notice the, the joy that I get from seeing the transformation of someone who actually applies what, you know, cause like, um, I might be hired by a high school coach, but that kid didn't hire me. So they may not be bought in, right? Whereas with a professional athlete or a high-level college athlete, I'm work. They're bringing me in to work with them specifically, 
So there is an advantage to, you know, being someone that that athlete individually invests in versus, and you know, and high school athletes typically not in that, in, in that environment, because even if their parents pay for me, there's still the parent is paying for me. And, the, you know, but sometimes I will say that these days athletes are asking their parents to say, Hey, you know what? I need somebody. I need something. Get me some help. And then I've had athletes come to me going back to the therapist thing and said, uh, we went to a therapist. We saw this person and there was no resonance. We think that she'll relate or he'll relate better to you. And then that's what's happened. But it's more relatability. It has nothing to do with, you know, like I said, qualifications. So. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's neat. That's neat. Especially, especially for, you know, for somebody to come to you. So for one, for people to see that you have the solution. Mm-hmm. Is, is 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 really powerful yeah for uh and, and especially knowing that they tried a therapist and they're like oh that wasn't getting it yeah um, so coach coach Graham, what you got how does that make you feel like people seeing you as the go how does how does that feel Bryn? that's a great question jonathan and i have to say like um there is a fear and i'll you know just being again transparent like what if someone comes to me and i can't help them right and so when you hear something like that it's like wow it's just reaffirming the value that you bring, right? And I, I, you know, as much as I know that validation, outside validation can be perilous to one's confidence, ultimately, it does help every once in a while. And it doesn't mean that the therapist was bad because I'm sure in other areas they're killing the game, right? But it's just like in this instance for this individual, this is what works best. And, you, you know, I don't know. They come to me and it's still an at-bat because they're like, hey, we thought this might help because you know sports or you look like my daughter or this, that, and the other, right? And so, you know, but then I still got to earn it. So it's like, yeah, wow. And then when I, you know, they actually hire me on and I'm able to create that, it, it, yeah, it feels freaking amazing because I love, and I think the greatest joy as a coach, and I know you know this from helping people with their podcast is seeing your clients succeed. It's not just that they hired you, but that they come back to you and they go, wow, this changed everything. Like I'm different since this. And that's what I'm looking for, a transformation. You will not be the same person that started with me that ends with me. So that's a guarantee. If you do the work, of course. Obviously I can't make you do the work, but that's why I work with high caliber athletes because they just want to do the work. They're hungry to do it. So. Got to do the work. Got to do the work. Got to do the work. So when it's all said and done, where where does where does where does Coach Bryn see yourself? Like because I mean, like right now, you know, you're doing the you're doing the speaking. Yeah. I can tell I can tell that you do the speaking and <laughs> and the and having the ability to to facilitate conversations is yeah. not an easy thing to do for yes. one. Okay, because speaking and facilitating definitely are two different things. Um, so you having that skill set and then also coaching and helping elite athletes with the mental game, yeah. like when it's all said and done, where do you, like, where, where do you see yourself? Where do you want to be or what do you want to have accomplished? So my long-term goal is to transform sports. And it really does have to do with this um, proactive approach to the mental game. Um, I think we've lost so many athletes and so many people needlessly because we're so focused on the end product of the the, the outcome of sports and not so focused on the athlete that's actually engaging in the sport. And so I want to help these, I mean, cause I think it's amazing. I can't, I can't think of other modern day superheroes, uh, obviously those people that go into burning buildings and do things every day and all that, 
but athletes do these superhuman things that we all wish we could do. Like, you know, of course we don't all want to put in the work that it takes to do what they do, but we're like, Oh my God, did you see that? Like that person jumped higher than I could ever jump and did this crazy thing. And you know, all that, you know, Odell Beckham's one handed catch, you know, whatever the case is, but it's like all the hours that they don't have film of, of him actually working out and doing the stuff. So Odell Beckham Jr., excuse me. Maybe he doesn't want his dad to get credit for that. So (laughs) the point is, ultimately, um, my goal is to transform sports. Ultimately, so like that's one of the other reasons I want to work with professional athletes is because the, the more the platform, the bigger the platform, the more that I can reach. And then I want to ultimately duplicate myself. I know that I can't see every athlete. I can't do it all alone. So I want to create a cohort of coaches that, you know, know how to do this relatability stuff so I can kind of teach my system to as many people as possible and also help them come up with their own system because I'm sure there's stuff that I have not even thought of because um, my goal is to help elevate as many people to their highest good as possible. And yes, I do care that they do well in sports, but I care more about the person in the uniform than I care about what they're doing in that uniform. That's strong. I I love it. I love it. It just makes it makes sense. It makes sense to duplicate yourself and it makes sense, you know, to, you know, have something in push position or in place to, you know, be able to, I guess, like certify people and stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. And also help young kids get this sooner. Right. Because I want to, you know, like obviously seeing that I've given it to some younger athletes and seeing how it has shifted them so much faster back to getting back on their feet. Like that's the stuff we're talking about. It doesn't mean there's no low points. It doesn't mean there's no downtimes, but it means that their downtimes are so much uh, faster recovery than there was previous to this stuff. So, Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, so I happen to hear that you, you have a podcast. I do. I do have a podcast. It's okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead, please. Uh, It's called the mental advantage podcast. um, Because Going back to what you said, you said something earlier, and I, I always, this is one of my favorite things to say. I don't care if you're LeBron James, Serena Williams, uh, you know, you name the best athlete ever, Tom Brady. Um, you are leaving potential on the table by not tapping into your mental game. So there is a significant advantage to the competitor who is aware of their mental game and how to deploy it at the, you know, in the proper ways versus someone who's just out here being good and still putting in a lot of the work, a lot of the effort, a lot of the physical stuff, but the body follows the mind. And so if the mind is not in concert with the body, no matter how great the body is performing, there's, there's a percentage that you're leaving on the table. And so, and then there's also, there's more potential that to be found even that you're, you're not even going to know what you're capable of, because obviously we've seen some amazing things that even that competitor performer would say, I don't even know how that happened, but it did. So, uh, so, uh, oh my, I forgot the question. I'm sorry. What did you Oh, I, I, no, oh, I, I said podcast. you have a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the mental advantage podcast, which is kind of funny that it's the initials are map but it's like the map to, you know, how to use your mental game properly. And I have some of the best uh, people that I have been able to encounter in sports. Um, And I want to bring more, I'm committed to diversity of sport. 
diversity of gender and diversity of race, cultural background, religion, et cetera, and even ability. I haven't had a, I haven't had a Paralympian or a differently abled athlete or handicap, I believe is the proper term, um, on my podcast as of yet, but I will. Um, because the mental game is universal. The thing is, people think the mental game is different for baseball than it is for basketball and this, and it's not. It's the same. Everybody goes through. Now, of course, the timing and when it happens might be slightly different and sports specific, but it's pretty universal. So. Excellent. Excellent. What, what was the what was the deciding factor of you starting a podcast or what was it that, that you were like, I need to start a podcast and I need to do it now? I had been toying around with the idea of a podcast for quite a while. And I've already alluded to um, sports people being superheroes. And I had this other name for a podcast, which I might still use. So I'm going to keep it in my pocket. But um, I had talked about it, but I was waiting and waiting and waiting because it's like, oh, you know, like, I guess I was thinking, you know, maybe you need to have more people to listen to it before you start or, you know, all the things that you kind of go through, like, why would you start a podcast? Who's going to listen to it? Like, you know, whatever. But honestly, my reason for podcasting is twofold. One, it gives me an opportunity to talk to some of the greatest people on the planet because yes, they're athletes, but they're also just amazing people with amazing stories. I love hearing an athlete tell a story about like how they saw themselves at the Olympics at like five and then it happened, you know, many years later. And so those have been some really great, and that's been happening a couple times throughout. That's like, there's a lot of themes from talking to these people about their process and what happened and all that. Um, and then uh, the secondly is that I can bring the mental game to people like in a way that makes them, they're more interested, right? If I'm talking mindset all day, yeah, yeah, we know it's good for you. But like, you know, hearing it from somebody that they like admire or whatever. So I get to meet some of my heroes, have great conversations and obviously help bring, break the mental game down in a, in a vehicle that most people understand, which is sports. And my apologies to anyone here who's like, I don't like sports. I understand. So... <laughs> Oh man, I, I understand. Yeah, but you don't have yeah. to play sports to learn from anyone who's been a master at anything, right? Like, obviously, you've never been the leader of a Fortune 500 company. Some of you who are listening, but yet you love to learn from those people that have been to the top of the mountain. And these are people that have been to the top of the mountain. And so, if you can't learn from an athlete, then I feel like you're not paying attention because there's so much that they go through in the test of their sheer will and effort and, you know, testing their uh, human potential, like their potential is just like phenomenal. So if you go to the Olympics, I mean, that's not something that most of us are going to be able to brag about, not even attending an Olympics, let alone compete in them. And I had a lady on my podcast that went to three of them. So, you know, that's pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the, just, just, just the, the the crossover certainly is there between sports and life. Exactly. So, and then going back to what you said again about just the human element of people being human beings, mm -hmm. it, just, it makes sense. Yeah, it just makes sense. So yeah, yeah, super, super cool, super cool, right? So I wanna, I wanna do do a slight transition. Okay. I like to have a little bit of, like to have a little bit of fun on the show. Okay. Uh, this like is fun. a, yeah, this is this is a little segment I like to call this or that. Okay. And I'm just going to ask you a few rapid fire questions and then you're going to pick one or the other. Okay. So are you, are you ready? 
I am ready. Although I will say binary options, I don't love, but we'll go with it because it's, it's, I'm your guest. So if you're like this or that, I'm like, I want both. Millionaires choose both. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Do I want steak and shrimp? I want it all. Yeah, I want it I want, all. Why, why, don't, why can't I have surf and turf? <laughs> like, I don't want to have to choose. <laughs> Seriously, if I ask my girlfriend that question, she'll be like, I, in what scenario would I have to? Okay, all right, never mind. Just forget it. Like, so, That's so anyway, funny. In I, this I, scenario, in this scenario. In this scenario, I have to choose. So I will I will play and I will play by the rules, although I don't like that word either. But Oh, <laughs> okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And starting now. Okay. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Pepsi sure. or Coke? Either. <laughs> if I had to choose, I guess I'll say Coke. I really don't remember what they taste like. I haven't had either in so long. So I'll say Coke. Wow. Because it's, it's okay. popular, more popular, I guess. Okay. Um, podcasts or audiobooks? Oh, that's a tough one. As a podcaster, I feel like I'd be wrong to answer any other way, but I will say I probably listen to more audiobooks than I listen to podcasts. I'll be honest about that since I said okay. transparency. So. Okay. Um, friends or Seinfeld? Friends. Okay. Um, Martin or Fresh Prince? Because I grew up where I grew up, I know this is, I have to supposed to answer, but I do want to give some context. Martin happened the same night as Friends. So oh, Fresh okay. Prince of Bel-Air, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I grew up, yeah, like I grew up more on the less diverse side of the world. So I was definitely watching Friends instead of Martin. So Okay, okay. Cake or pie? Cake. Easy. Be beaches or mountains? Um... I'm going to say mountains. I don't really like the beach all that much. I know that's weird. Okay. 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 And then this is a, this is, this isn't a, this or that question. This is just a little bonus question, yeah. but who is, who is one slept on podcaster that I should interview next? Ooh, slept on. Okay. Well, I wouldn't know slept on, but I will, I have a, a host of good guests for you. Um, gosh, you know, one of my favorite episodes, although I have to say I love them all, um, but Michael Gervais is a really good guest um, on a podcast. And Marv Marvin Bagley was really good, too. Uh, you know, like he had really good, like he was like, it was almost like he could read my mind because he was answering questions before I answered them. So, no, he's not slept on. I mean, he's in the NBA. But if you ever get a chance to interview Marvin Bagley, I think that was a really good one because it was just like, wow. He's really like, you know, like he's a young guy in the NBA and, you know, you have these conceptions about people, but uh -huh. he really is a, I mean, I knew him personally prior to, and that's what afforded me the opportunity to interview him. But I was quite impressed with his, uh, you know, like his grasp of how he goes about his career. And I knew that prior to interviewing him, but not to the depth until I get a chance to get someone in the hot seat. So I would say, yeah, those were great interviews, but like I said, anybody that's been on my podcast, I'm going to recommend because they're just great conversations, great stories. So. Gotcha. Does he, does he have a podcast? Oh, oh, you said a podcaster. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I mean, Ger Gervais has a podcast, but Gervais I don't know does have a podcast, but it, I guess he wouldn't be slept on then. That's a good point. If you're talking about from a podcast perspective, perspective. Um, 
I haven't had many podcasters. I, I, I'm maybe, I don't know why, but, um, I liked talking to, uh, Kibway. Kibway okay. was good. So I would, I know, you know, we, you know him, but I thought he did a good job and the way he asked questions and he's talking about education and leadership. So I really yeah. like his topic. So I think he would be a good interview for you because he's, He's got a good voice and he's got good topics to talk about. So I think you two would have a great conversation. So I'm going to say Kibway. Okay. There it is. There it is. Mr. Kibway Cooper. There it is. There, there it is. Well, uh, coach Brent, I've, I've, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed our chat and I want to, you know, I want to encourage everybody out there. I want to encourage them to, you know, definitely look you up. What is, what, what is your handle? What's your handle? Just so the people know. So it's really difficult. Uh, it's my first and last name. So <laughs> on all platforms, so you can find me anywhere, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You just search for Bryn Drescher. I'm not the only Bryn you may find, but I'll definitely be the only Bryn Drescher you find. Uh, so at Bryn Drescher on Instagram, um, that's probably the main platform to reach out to me. But any platform you hit me up, I, I do check them. Um, I'm working on my TikTok game. We'll see if I keep it up. But <laughs> Instagram is where I post 99% of my content. So. Boom. There, there it is. There it is. Brent, I appreciate you gracing the podcast. You Thank know? you. Come. Yeah. Th thanks for, for stopping by, gracing us here at the place. Yes. And, I like, your, you know, I like your background, by the way. Uh, yeah, this needs some work. Michelle helped me, but I still I still need to do the lights and some other stuff. Uh, shout out to Michelle Green. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she I'm going to get it tight just so I can represent her right. Gotcha. Anyway. anyway. Well, thank you. We're going to yeah, you're, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Gonna, I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you next time, Brent. I'll see you next time. Absolutely. Excellent. And for all the listeners out there, I would encourage you all to be sure to, to look up Bryn Drescher on Instagram. I'm going to have all her handles and links down in the show notes so you can find her, make it easy. And then so you can, you know, shout out to her and also check out her podcast, The Mental Advantage podcast uh family so you you all know uh that we have the training coming up and this training is geared towards speakers coaches and consultants showing you how you can ultimately establish your authority and how you can be able to generate leads even if you have a small following so go ahead and go to your podcastmentorshow.com sign up for the free training and now we're back to the episode with your host Bryn Drescher all right. And family, remember, this is the Your Podcast Mentor Show, where ultimately we help you establish your platform so that you can profit on purpose from your podcast. Peace and God bless. Mm -hmm.